Hello, Baltimoreans, coming to you live once again from a linen closet at my mom's house. Good to be in your headphones uh, here with an uh, important message about episode 76, which you're about to hear. As you already know, as a true all-weather fan, the Orioles offseason has quickly degraded from a complete mess to a dumpster on fire. And while Alan and I knew that when we recorded this episode, which features, among other things, extensive discussion of what we then thought was the Orioles' two-year contract agreement with Grant Balfour, we did not yet know how bad it was going to become. So it may seem to you at first, as you're listening to the episode, like we're horribly ignorant of recent events. But that is not the case. We have decided to leave in the piece of the show where we talked about Grant Balfour because of the larger points that we were making, the broader conceptual umbrella under which episode 76 uh, lives, if you will accept that truly, truly awful visual metaphor. Anyway, that's it for the qualifications. We hope you enjoy the show, and thanks, as always, for tuning in. Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. You're listening to Baltimore, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Happy holidays. Happy jingling jingle times. Happy Festivus. Yes. Yes, it's the podcast for the rest of us. <laughs> I hope that that's true. I hope that the rest of us are all listening and enjoying this podcast and this think, wonderful Yuletide season. I think the all-weather fan subset of the population is, by definition, the rest of us. <laughs> that's true. That's right. We just called you the George Costanzas of the world, our, our dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> what up, shiny domes? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're very excited to have Michael Clare back on the program this evening. Michael Clare, of course, joined us several months ago uh, to tell us about his amazing website, Old Time Family Baseball, which, if you're not reading, I, I don't know what to tell you. We told you to do it, and you continue to disobey our instructions. You can also read Michael Clare literally everywhere else baseball is discussed on the Internet. It's true. <laughs> uh, he has an amazing piece up about uh, on, on Baseball Prospectus today, which we will get to at great length, coming to you soon. Yes, indeed. And, ladies and gentlemen, and I want you to keep in mind, as you're keeping all of that in mind, that we are proud members of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, along with our sister wife programs, and you can find all of us at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. I would like to say that I am especially proud this week to be a part of that network. It feels like it was like a really humming week over at BSR. Oh, a lot we, of shit was happening. There's a just, new podcast I didn't even know about. Yeah. Lots going on. Yeah. Lots of ins, lots of outs. There, there's all kinds of great stuff happening at BaltimoreSportsReport.com, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're not on that bippy, then, uh, again, I just, I don't have words to express <laughs> of, to you. We're out of words. <laughs> mostly because I feel really weird that I just said, if you're not on that bippy. <laughs> and I feel like I probably shouldn't be allowed to talk into a microphone. And yet I continue on and on and... Ever on, just continuing to speak, not even really taking a lot of time to breathe. How are you doing over there, Alan Smith? I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Well, Sam. Yes. 76 trombones led the big parade, and 110 cornets close at hand. Mm. Why would I even bring this well-known fact up? Well, 
not only are we on episode 76 here at Baltimoreans, but in the musical The Music Man, a con artist is trying to sell a small town on the scheme that involves playing on their hopes and dreams to convince them that their children have a chance to create a really, really great marching band. Well, we've got trouble right here in Charm City, Sam Dingman. <laughs> that starts with T, and that rhymes with B, and that stands for Brian Roberts. Mm. I'm worried here that Dan Duquette is a modern Harold Hill, and that in fact, beyond the alliterative similarities, he is running a long con on us, teasing us with a vision of a competent team only to take the money saved and skedaddle. Which would mean, if you follow the plot of The Music Man from 1958, (laughs) our only real hope in this case is that we find a competent Marion the Librarian character to woo Dan Duquette. Oh boy. Causing him to see the error in his ways, stick around and do the damn thing, and possibly sing Shapoopy. (laughs) If you'll allow me a short digression, um, because that is a rare occurrence on these introductions, the plot and lyrics of The Music Man are like shockingly 1950s in their version of gender and romance. Um, the lyrics of Shapoopy contain girls got to wait till the very third date um, to even give out a kiss. Um, and, and yet we're still doing the musical man as like a major part of high school theater across this great country. We, we also do Greece, which I, just in case our listeners don't want us to go too much further down a musical theater rabbit hole, which is <laughs> oh, really their continue. problem. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, Greece is a very, very problematic story. Oh, for sure. Uh, it glorifies, um, it glorifies. Uh, uh, let's say at best sexual aggression, <laughs> and uh, praises praises uh, women for abandoning their principles, right? Um, in order to uh, find uh, social status, um, it just. Just a lot of troubling messages to be sending to the adolescent minds of our great nation. And and when you get on these messages, it, you know, it's sort of amazing that pool, the game of pool, is the enemy that an entire town rallies around in the Music Man, right? Is that true? Yeah. In middle America, if, you know, if, if, it, if it's – you've got trouble. It's, it starts with T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. He, he gins up an entire town to support this marching band because they've gotten a pool hall in town. I thought earlier when you said trouble starts with T and rhymes with B and that stands for Brian Roberts, right. I thought you made that up. I didn't know that was a Music Man <laughs> reference. Well, then you may want to listen to the first half because it was lousy with them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but look, pool is the big cultural issue sweeping a community. You know what else was happening in 1957 when that show hit Broadway? United States Senator Strom Thurmond was setting the record for the longest continuous filibuster with a 24-hour, 18-minute speech railing against the Civil Rights Bill. Mm. President Eisenhower sent federal troops to Arkansas to provide safe passage into Central High School for the Little Rock Nine. John Turturro was born, as was Osama bin Laden. Albert Camus was winning the Nobel Prize in Literature. Albert Camus, who was one of the greatest writers to ever tackle the concept of the absurd and had about as far away as could possibly be imagined from The Music Man. In fact, we should probably have given Albert Camus the ability to rewrite The Music Man, because The Stranger, after all, is an apt description of the main character, and Goodnight Ladies could easily be recast to be infinitely creepier and having more to do with the contemplation of death. (laughs) What I'm saying here, Sam, is that some real shit was happening when they launched The Music Man, 
and 76 trombones is an odd distraction from what was going on. <laughs> Whatever else you want to say about Rent or Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, at least they are tackling some real shit on Broadway with these days. It's true. Also, Evan UQ. Fantastic show. <laughs> Book of Mormon, anyone? That's all we ask for, Orioles front office. Deal with the real shit, and don't keep teasing us with these visions of a more brilliant future only to deliver Jamile Weeks on our doorsteps. <laughs> um, you know, Alan, last week on the show, we premiered our parody version of Thrift Shop right. by Macklemore. As to, some... I would say, great critical acclaim. But what you've done in your intro, among other things, mm. is is perhaps propose our next musical parody yeah. uh, on the show, which would be uh, the song Shapoopy. Oof. As sung by Albert Camus, <laughs> called, of course, Camoopy. <laughs> so in the heavy research I did for this intro piece, yes, I did watch some YouTube videos of the 1957 movie or 1962 movie, whenever the movie came out, uh-huh. of, the, of the song Shapoopy. Um. I just I don't I don't like when you say that word, and it's not that it's you, it's the word. It's I, the word. It's a terrible word. If we could minimize the number of times we say the title, it's also a terrible song, <laughs> and it, it it's it's based on this conceit of 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 a nineteen fifties prudish sexual sensibility that I don't think anyone ever actually practiced in our entire history, but we've sort of put up on this weird glorifying pedestal as the thing that people used to do. Mm -hmm. And the idea that Camus, who wrote about absurdity and wrote about death and wrote about the ways in which uh, uh, people confront sexuality and death and can't deal with either one of them and just flee, is perfect. (laughs) It's perfect. It has nothing to do about baseball, but we'll we'll see if we can work it in. I would say that qualifies it for something to lead with <laughs> on Baltimoreans. Okay. All right. It turns out <laughs> this was actually a very heavy baseball week. It was. Uh, lots it was. of actual baseball-y things happened. And lots of Orioles news. Lots of Orioles news, exactly. Uh, so... Let's let's kick off here with what we now know about our our bullpen. Okay. Which is that we gave up longtime Oriole and fan favorite Jim Johnson. Adieu. And acquired Balfour, Webb, and a middling second baseman and a catcher to be named later. Mm-hmm. Given those things, if we look at Webb and Balfour as the additions to the bullpen and, and Weeks and the catcher, whose name I'm never going to remember apparently. I believe it is David Freitas. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, If we look at at David Freitas, kind of a German-Portuguese pronunciation for those of you keeping score at home. And Jemiah Weeks as sort of like long-term hopefuls and Balfour and Webb as the root of of the trade. Is it a good deal? No. No, it's not. No? To me, it's a little bit confusing that since we acquired Jemiah Weeks, we haven't heard his name once <laughs> uttered by the front office. Right, right. Which, uh, and in fact, what uh, we have heard Dan Duquette say on at least one occasion is um, that he feels like Ryan Flaherty is going to get a good hard look at the second base job right. in spring training. Um, 
I don't know what to do with that information. Um, <laughs> what does that mean our goal with Jamile Weeks is? Does, is he going to play third base? I don't think we need to worry about Jamile Weeks here, though, because I think that at best you're, you're giving him a good kick and maybe he's the fourth infielder of third base, shortstop, and, and second as like, a, as like a utility backup guy mm-hmm. now that Danny Valencia has flewed the coop. Okay, but that still brings us back to Jim um, Johnson for Webb and Balfour. I don't – I can't see it that way. I just can't see it that way because to me, um, Ryan Webb, uh, it doesn't make us worse, but – he doesn't make us as much better as mm. putting that salary into perhaps sweetening the Gavin Floyd pot. Bringing in a Gavin Floyd makes us need middle relievers less. So I would rather the money have gone there than add to the Tommy Hunter and Darren O'Day and Troy Patton-shaped pile. I don't hate the Ryan Webb signing, but I don't. it doesn't do a whole lot for me. Okay. In that regard. Uh, in terms of Balfour, I don't know that paying Balfour $7 million a year this year and next year is so much better than paying Jim Johnson $10 million a year this year and then letting him walk. That said, saves are not the problem with this Orioles team. Right. Um, and so I, while it's possible to rationalize all of these moves so far, none of them has done anything to address our core incompetencies. And, you know, we're talking about shaving off a couple million dollars here, shaving off a couple million dollars there. I'm very sad that Brian Roberts signed with the Yankees. I'm not sad that he doesn't play for the Orioles anymore. Right. We don't need to be spending money on keeping Brian Roberts around. I'm with you on that. But unless all of this money is being saved up to throw at Shinsu Chu, <laughs> then I don't really understand what we're gaining by shaving off these, in baseball team payroll terms, pennies on the dollar. Here's how I think Dan Duquette's mind works. Uh-oh. <laughs> As if we haven't spent enough time on this show trying to unpack that very question. Yeah. I think Dan Duquette is sitting there thinking, well, I switched two essentially equal baseball players in Johnson and Balfour, in mm-hmm. his mind. Mm-hmm. I got one for a little bit cheaper. I picked up this webcat who may be good, and I got two guys who I think, because I'm Dan Duquette, I can reclaim and make them into solid major leaguers. I think that the same thing that he thought with signing Danny Valencia and then trading him at what was clearly the height of his potential as trade bait is how Dan, how Dan Duquette operates. Go. I would like to vehemently, <laughs> vehemently complain about the Danny Valencia trade. All right, go if ahead. If you don't mind. Go ahead. Um, because we traded Danny Valencia, as you have correctly pointed out, at the height of his trade value for David Luck. <laughs> now, uh, the his actual full name Rookie is... Rookie of the Year award-winning vote-getter last year. Ah, oh, I'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> I'll just get... I'll, I'll just be getting to that, sir. Uh, his name is David Luch, which is short for David Luch, this guy now. But the Uch, this guy now, is silent because it's a slow burn. <laughs> now, if David Luch, who, as you correctly point out, Alan, did finish eighth in the Rookie of the Year voting last year. <laughs> quickly, I'd like to run down for you other people who have finished eighth in the american league rookie of the year voting this is the proud legacy that we're bringing in 
2008, you had Nick Blackburn. Eh? In 2004, you had Big Dave Bush. In 2002, Tony Fiore. Okay. 1996, Big Timmy Crabtree. And 1995, of course, you had John Nunnally. Now, I noticed you skipped some years there. Would you like to know why I skipped some years there? <laughs> sure. Because they usually don't go eight <laughs> slots down in the Rookie of the Year voting. Okay. But it was such a weak field in the mm. American League this year. Uh, not that Will Myers is a weak player, but uh, there wasn't anybody who was who was a clear enough winner right? that they had to go that deep. Uh, David Luch, it's true, at the Orioles PR department, so adorable, <laughs> pointed out that of Rookie of the Year vote-getters, Luch had, which I'm going to call him every single time, so just get ready for it. He had the highest war ah, he of, did. of anyone. I heard that. Uh, his war, though, was 2.7. <laughs> now, David Luch played about half a season. Uh-huh. Now, it's true that Nate McLeod's war last year was lower than 2.7. I believe it was 1.6. Uh-huh. But in the first half of the season, <laughs> it's about 2.7. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So you're saying that, uh, so, so, so you're not as much sad to see Danny Valencia go as you're not thrilled by David Luch. I'm, I'm not thrilled by David Luch. We already have a treasure trove of subpar left fielders. But I heard I heard Balfour plays a little bit of left field. <laughs> He's going to have to. He's going to have to. Um, we now have no clear third baseman for the first month of the season, and no designated hitter. Mm. Like Danny Valencia was our answer at designated hitter towards the end of the season. Mm. He is now gone. That's so true. Did we do that so that we can bring in Kendris Morales? Did we do that? Could be. So that we can throw... All of it is possible. <laughs> but as we slowly chip away at mar already marginal players who embarrassingly form the cornerstones <laughs> of our lineup and are left with less and less, it does not do a lot to address my <laughs> concerns, I guess, would be the only way to say it. Okay. Um, I mean, I, that's the thing. To me, we're just like pinching and tweaking and just like rearranging a little bit here. And the most that we're doing is swapping in equally talented people where others have departed. Uh, so I guess, I, you know, unless all of this pinching and tweaking and tweezing is designed to l clear the way for something really big to happen, the logic is lost on me. Now, okay. it is encouraging to hear that we did make a competitive offer to Gavin Floyd. And if Gavin Floyd turned us down, I think we offered him two years, $20 million. I don't want to be paying Gavin Floyd more than $10 million a year. And if he wanted more than that, we probably don't need him anyway. <coughs> so it, it is nice to see that we're, we are trying. Right. So you're going you're gonna to continue to give the Orioles offseason a, a solid incomplete, but shading toward disaster. Shading towards disaster. Okay. All right. So if you look at our, our competitors to the, uh, well, I guess to the very slight north, here <laughs> here in New York City, um, having just signed Brian Roberts away, uh, good luck with, with that. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, go ahead. I think that's really just a fuck you to the Orioles. <laughs> right? I mean, unless they're playing, unless the Yankees are continuing to play for the 1990, 2008 title 
like what what are they possibly building? Anyway, <laughs> the Yankees were hit with a twenty eight million dollar luxury tax bill, mm-hmm. pushing their total past the two hundred fifty million mark since their pen, since the penalty began in two thousand and three, and making them responsible for more than ninety percent of the overall luxury tax bills paid at all. Mm-hmm. Their only hope to get below that tax for next year, which they've been talking about doing for a long time, is that if they can excise the cancer that Alex Rodriguez has metastasized into and is sort of eating the team. We've talked a lot about on this program, A-Rod, the situation around the steroid scandal, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Given all of this information where we are right now, do we want A-Rod, collectively, as Baltimoreans, do we want A-Rod to succeed and continue to have to play or to fail and give the Yankees back cap space. Um. Well, I think the whole. I I think we need to ig- basically ignore the conversation about the Yankees getting cap space back because they're clearly not serious about it. It was obviously a joke because they signed Beltron. They or sorry, they signed Ellsbury. They signed Beltron. As we found out today, they only signed Beltron because they tried to sign Chu. That's right. And Chu wanted more money. Right. So they clearly. It's clear that they are not actually serious about getting under the luxury tax limit. They just aren't. They are going to continue to do what they have always done until there are different people running the team. <laughs> right. So so I don't think that whether or not Alex Rodriguez plays next year has any bearing on that personally. Uh, I think the question with Alex Rodriguez is when he's in the lineup, is he still a dangerous offensive threat? And the fact of the matter is, while it's nowhere close to what it used to be, I'd still rather not have to pitch to him. And he's not going to beat you as frequently as he used to, but his slash line last year for a man of his age (laughs) is pretty scary. Uh, Yeah. I don't think he's capable of doing it over the course of a full season anymore, and I don't, whether or not, you know, all of the the past infractions aside, his body's breaking down. He's not going to be able to play a full season but if you create a situation where he's allowed to DH every once in a while and um, is able to play in even 120 games next year in a lineup that now includes Ellsbury and another year of Soriano and Beltron. And McCann. And McCann. I think that's I, – I still find it – I still find that scary. Here's, here's my, my – So sorry. To answer your question – I would prefer him to be suspended. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my counter to that. Okay. There are still a lot of big-name free agents out there in the market. There will still be more big-name free agents to come. Um, and the Yankees, I guess for the first time in a long, long time, let a big-name free agent leave New York City, which I can't remember happening since I've been watching baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not someone in his prime like Cano was. Yeah. I think a couple of things are happening that – the younger Stein to show us that the younger Steinbrenners are not Steinbrenner Senior, mm-hmm. and that has to do with competence and fear. And I think that Steinbrenner Senior, for all of his craziness, was bent on perfection in a way that the the younger folks don't seem to be able to quite do. Mm-hmm. And it feels like what they're doing now is much more piecemeal, like. Let's sign Ellsbury. Oh, and also Chu. And what's going on with this Beltran character? And where where did Cano go? And it feels like a lot more messy. Yeah. Also, the Yankees didn't win the division last year. And the Yankees, for the first time in a while, have not been all that good. 
-hmm. And I remember for the first time in a long time as this season was concluding, Yankees games being half empty. Yeah. And I think that there is something that is very real that can happen with a team that is used to winning and thus used to selling out and thus used to having their merchandise fly off the shelves at ever more ridiculous rates, which suggests that if they have some down years, that might not continue. Yeah. And I think that the Yankees might be in a serious problem where they have to get under the luxury tax because all of a sudden, if they don't make the playoffs this year and they're an old team of washouts, and I mean, of course, New York is still going to support them. Of course, they're still going to be New York's team and they're probably still going to be the American bandwagon team. I mean, the Cowboys carried on being America's bandwagon team for 15 years after they stopped being good. Yeah. Um, but now that's coming to an end mm-hmm. and everyone's off the Cowboys bandwagon. Right. And I think that there, there is a real thing that can happen if you don't start winning pretty quickly that all of a sudden the fact that you've been spending too much money to lose begins to catch up with you. Agreed. So Agreed. I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful that Alex Rodriguez is allowed to continue to play and gets injured. I'm hopeful that the third game of the regular of the regular season, Brian Roberts takes off for second base and pulls up lame and spends the rest of the year collecting $2 million on the bench. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that Jacoby Ellsbury runs into another wall. I'm hopeful that Beltran goes into a decline and they have to keep paying all of these motherfuckers <laughs> for the next 20 years yeah. as they circle the drain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, thing, the question about the Yankees to me uh, is they have assembled what is almost guaranteed to be a fearsome offense, but they have done nothing to address their starting pitching situation except bring back Kuroda. Mm. And, you know, the jury's out on Nova. Uh, it's very unclear what's going to happen with Sabathia next year. And, to be honest, it's unclear what's going to happen with Kuroda. So I think unless they, unless they do something to fix that, um, your, point is, your point is extremely well taken. If they take the money they were going to give to Shinsu Chu and give it to Ibaldo Jimenez, then we may have a serious problem on our hands. <laughs> Well, that remains to be seen. Yes. Um, Coming up right now, uh, we are going to talk with Mr. Michael Clare, baseball writer extraordinaire, who, um, in my mind, does the best job of any baseball analyst out there of appreciating the absurd, which I think that we try to cultivate here on Baltimore. So we're going to have him on, talk a little bit of baseball, but mostly talk about how one cultivates that sense of absurd in the offseason. podcast it's a choice (laughs) so how are how are things out in uh, los angeles oh you know they're good i'm actually uh packing and downloading episodes of arrow for my flight home right now solid solid uh yeah it's a garbage show but i'll be on an airplane so i think that's what i want oh absolutely Uh, absolutely i was on uh i was on a number of airplanes over the last couple days and i took in some episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I think my, my pull quote for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, since we're doing pull quotes, would yeah. be, uh, are, are you on an airplane? A little bit of a bumpy flight? It'll distract you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the sad thing, is I agree with that, and I also think it's the best new comedy of the season. Ah. So. Oof. <laughs> is that? Yeah. I, don't, I, I wouldn't even have anything to put against it, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I 
anything is I, I can't I can't think of another example of a show I would want to watch. Dads, what was canceled before it? The horrible uh <laughs> Yeah, that one uh that was uh that was a real not with a bang but with a whimper type of exit there. Yeah, yeah, it, it started with a whimper too. So <laughs> that that was also a, that was a that was a terrible, terrible show. <laughs> in with the whimper, out with the whimper. The, the, the ad campaign should have been, you love your dad. Dads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. See, if only if only more people were following. By the way, I've been recording this entire time. Uh, <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> if only more people were, uh, were hip to your vibes the way that the folks at Baseball Prospectus are, See, see what I did there? Yep, yep. Uh, you know, I think modern media would be in a much better headspace. But, Michael Clare, since the last time we spoke to you, your writing has been featured on Baseball Prospectus in USA Today. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's gone places probably because of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh... take credit for the bump. A lot of emails. Heard you on Baltimoreans. I want more Steve Pierce coverage. How do I get it? <laughs> That's interesting because a big resigning in our off season. Let me just say that right now. <laughs> I believe you mean the only resigning in our off season. <laughs> um, That's interesting because the emails we have been getting uh, actually say, "When are you going to have Michael Clare on again to talk about the seminal Adrian Brody film, The Jacket?" Oh man. <laughs> We are, I, that, that's why I'm on tonight, right? We're only talking about the jacket? Yeah, yeah. The, this is, we've actually renamed the podcast to The Jacket <laughs> Hour. <laughs> oh, man, even Adrian Brody doesn't talk about the jacket anymore. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, we do have, we do have a real reason for, for having you on the show tonight. We have, we have a curiosity. Well, the, the, the baseball prospectus uh, post that you put up today which was a brilliant look at a series of Hall of Fame, um, potential Hall of Fame nominees and mm-hmm. their career as, um, as front men for different advertising products was sublime and absurd. And I, I, I really have not enjoyed a piece of baseball journalism that much in quite a long time. So I have two questions for you. One, right. how much research did went into that piece and how much time did you have to spend on YouTube to track all of those down? And two, how do you keep the sense of absurd so poignant during the offseason when I feel like absurdity is gone and all we're left with is the cold, hard numbers? Well, let me take uh, the second question first. (laughs) Uh, You know, recently there was that uh, study that says uh, all of existence might just be a hologram. Uh, so when, when you're looking at all of life, your, your girlfriends, you, your mother, you, could you, your friends, could you cite that study, please? <laughs> it I, was in, it... Uh, I read it in Huffington post, the source of all news. Oh, great. great. Uh, it was on nature.com and everybody's Facebook wall. <laughs> I think it's uh... also the, the entirety of the welcome to night Vale podcast <laughs> is, is, uh, true sort of in that vein, but, but it was basically like. Not to get too heady, uh, I actually tried uh, making a joke out of this at a recent uh, thing where I was speaking, and uh, it was silent. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what I've learned is just you know keep hammering the same subject home. Is that there there so the universe they think is the the one true universe has no gravity, and that we are one of like the tendrils spinning off of that, uh, and we're just a reflection of that universe. So. Uh, 
to answer your question, how do you keep the absurdity <laughs> up during the off season? All of this is absurd. Right, yeah. How could you not? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then to go to your first point, uh, so when I pitched the piece, I was like, oh, this is fun. This is funny. Look at these couple of funny videos I found. I can make a piece out of this. And then I spent nearly all of Saturday just like <laughs> Jack Morris commercials, Jack Morris advertisements. All right. Mike Piazza commercials. Mike. Oh, it was it was terrible. Uh <laughs> It was it was a it was a real rough day. What was your favorite of all? I mean, if, if, if for for those of you who have not um, seen Michael yet on Baseball Perspectives, go check out this amazing piece. He he links many many videos, uh, including all of which are worth your click. All, all of which are worth the time. Um, I I like the one. I'm forgetting the name of the baseball player who appears to be legally dead for the entire thing. And <laughs> Lee Smith. Lee Smith. Lee Smith, who yeah. does not move at all. <laughs> <laughs> that that is uh that one is my favorite as well. It honestly looks like uh he was like strapped to a device. It's like Lee. <laughs> it really if is. you move your body, we're gonna murder your family. <laughs> it's like a it's like a much less appealing concept for a movie like Speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually, that, that was one of my favorite video clips as well. And it made me go back and look at some, some tape of Lee Smith actually pitching. And he actually, for a professional athlete who plays a position that is far and away the one that requires the most movement and motion on a baseball field, he barely moved when he threw pitches. (laughs) Really? Yeah. He's just a conservationist then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was also, uh, he was also of the sort of Steve Pierce body type, which I had forgotten. (laughs) Um, and uh, I think barrel that... chested, thick, yep. beautiful, muscular. Yeah, the Steve Pierce body type. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, he doesn't really have much of a leg kick, probably because his thigh weighs as much as my apartment. <laughs> he literally could not move. In the video, he was trying to look animated and just couldn't. He nope. was trying so hard. <laughs> Does not have that particular club in his bag. No. Solid bones. Bill. Now, uh, another thing that your article reminded me of that, that was very pleasing was uh, the, I forget the title of it, but the Roger Clemens baseball game that was released for Super Nintendo. I, I didn't even know that it existed when I started. I, uh, and I thought I knew all the weird baseball player video games. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, I don't think I ever saw that one in the flesh. Well, in uh, defense of both of you, uh, <laughs> there is only one true uh, weird Super Nintendo baseball game king, and that is Ken Griffey's Major League Baseball. Sure. True. Uh, so it's it's totally understandable that you would have forgotten about, I think it's called Rocket Baseball. Uh, but my favorite thing about the title of it, or, or the, the cover of the Super Nintendo box, um, is that it has Roger Clemens throwing a pitch, and he's wearing, because I guess they couldn't get the license for an actual Major League uniform, he's wearing a <laughs> pretend uniform, uh, which, which you can only tell uh, by looking at his hat, which has an R on it, which is uh-huh. very clearly the Arizona Diamondbacks logo at the time changed from a D into an R. <laughs> uh, team, team Roger. Uh, <laughs> Which yeah. is really the team he played for for his entire career. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, what, what I wish I knew when, when, I, when I sent the article in and, and only learned like yesterday, uh, and it, it's from this, this, this great blog that if you dig that kind of thing, I think you'd love this blog. It's, uh, it's Dan Glickman's Baseball Continuum. Sammy Sosa not only had high heat baseball, he also had Sammy Sosa's softball, and it's a CD-ROM. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. 
Is that available on eBay? How do how do I get a copy of that? <laughs> oh, I think you have to like prove your metal in a in a feat of strength or something. I don't think you can just go buy it. That's one of those games, and there aren't too many of them that I would be willing to download downgrade. Excuse me, the entire media setup of my house <laughs> back to a sort of nineteen ninety four level setup just to be able to play that game. It's it's kind of life changing and and life affirming if you look at it. <laughs> I well nothing nothing I mean Sammy Sosa is life affirming to me in in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think not the least of which can you yeah can you name any of those ways? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, think about you know baseball. If our life is a a a tendril um, in the universe or or whatever, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to the way. Michael just explained uh, the nature of existence again. But uh, if, if we are, in fact, just a tendril in the universe um, and we think that anything that we do on this earth is significant, which is untrue, uh, we, we can't argue with the idea that baseball is fundamentally a distraction. And nobody distracted from the distraction quite as well as Sammy Sosa, I think. That's very true. That's wow. very true. Um, so, so that's, 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 that's a, another point in his column, I would say. Sure. Now, uh, another thing that I would like to ask you about, Mr. Clare, is your Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, yes. because we have not spoken since they captured the hearts and minds of an otherwise drifting nation. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was quite a year, fellas. It was quite a year. <laughs> uh, now when you... When you look at what they have have done so far this offseason, do you think that they are built for some long-term success, or, or what's the prognosis? Well, I, I, the, the problem is their offseason has been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're waiting around for A.J. Burnett to decide if he wants to play again or not. Uh, <laughs> As are we. But... <laughs> Strangely enough, so are we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? It, it's between the two of us, so... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I mean, the, the problem is, too, is that Frank Coonley was just like, oh, you think we only earn $18 million a year from our TV deal? We actually earn much more than that. So all Pirates fans are like, oh, well, where's that money being spent? Because mm. if you're earning more than that, we should see it on the field. Yeah. Um, so th- the problem is, is that everything went right for the Pirates last year. Like, yeah. Literally everything. Francisco Liriano went from a guy walking five batters per nine in the White Sox bullpen <laughs> to a guy who, you know, was the staff ace. And until, like, beginning of August, if Kershaw fell apart, could have been, like, a Cy Young contender. Yeah. McCutcheon won the MVP. Mm-hmm. Pedro Alvarez, despite swinging and missing at nearly everything, hit 36 home runs. Yeah. So yeah. everything that could possibly go right went right. Mm -hmm. And the history of baseball has shown that if things go right one year, entropy will take care of the rest and they will (laughs) fall apart next year. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but the, the statement that you have just made does not match up with the logic of free agent contracts. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I'm going to go with the free agent contracts on this one. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very interesting because um, I mean the the Orioles and the Pirates. I I would submit to you, and you can feel free to to 
uh, push back against this. But I think it's interesting that the Orioles and the Pirates are in a very similar offseason boat yet again, except that it's not the way it used to be where it's mid-December and we're like, yep, kicking back for another year of futility. Yeah. Uh, it's more that we're like strange amounts of hope bubbling within me but the front office does not seem to be doing anything to perpetuate it. My issue with the A.J. Burnett thing is that the Orioles front office's approach to A.J. Burnett and Gavin Floyd appears to have been, hey, that guy's from Maryland. He'll want to pay for us. Oh, uh, no, somebody else made a more compelling offer. Really thought the association with Maryland was going to be enough. <laughs> that, that usually works. You go, uh, we got the Terrapins. And you're like, <laughs> oh, well, you got Terrapins. <laughs> I feel like we are maybe one year ahead of that curve, though, because we did the regression thing last year. So all of the, you know, the regression to the mean and one run games and all that stuff came back and and, and bit us. So now I feel as though the the ownership last year could reasonably have thought, well, if we just bring back this same team next year, we're going to get the same kind of success. Well, now we've proved that doesn't work. So. There's more, I, I feel a little bit more mild desperation that we need to make some sort of move to get back to the rarefied air of 2012. Are you guys feeling as a fan base, would you guess that the, that the, that the vague conception there is desperation or still sort of cloud nining? I, I mean, the, the thing is, uh, and I, I do agree the Pirates and the Orioles are actually very similar right now, is that for the first time in a long time, there is a competitive core there that says we can win, you know, worst case scenario, we're going to win around 80 games and we're just going to vacillate between that. A bad year, a really bad year, 78 wins, a good year, 94 wins, we're going to the playoffs. <laughs> the, the problem, I guess, is is just that, you know, the, the, the Pirates went to the playoffs. It's like, oh, this was so exciting. This was so great. 20 years of futility. Oh, think of the money from the sold-out dates and the extra playoff revenue. And, oh, my God, the, the national TV deal. That's an extra $25 million. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the team, and you're like, well, everybody else has the extra $25 million. And there's still no money for, like, a Shin Su Chu. So it's, well, the farm system better keep producing because if it doesn't, this whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, too, because now you're starting to hear the Pirates talk about trading some of those young pieces that they've been cultivating for such a long time. I've seen at least Jamison Tyon's name come up in a couple trade rumors this offseason. And so if you then start dealing away the foundation that has brought you to this point, you're a snake eating its tail. But but the converse side of that is, if we're talking about here, is is it is the the between 82 and and 90 wins and on the good seasons you get into the playoffs but you're never really pushing for a a series don't you have to do that don't you have to kind of push all in and say we've got something out of our farm let's mortgage the farm sell the proverbial farm and try to push for the next couple of years and win something well that 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 always really interests me because there's two ways people talk about baseball so there's the the team that pushes all in and goes for the world series and who knows they get to the world series maybe they even win the world series and everybody's happy but then already by next spring the players are old the players are free agents all of a sudden the fan base is angry against like aren't you sated by that victory shouldn't that give the ownership and the general manager five years of struggling because they gave you that but then there's the side where it's like be the team that just wins 82 to 90 and maybe you get a lucky break and you go all the way because the playoffs are a crapshoot. So 
it's very interesting to me. It's why I also, like in Philadelphia, everybody hates the Ryan Howard contract. Right. But to me, and again, I'm not from Philadelphia. I'm not a Phillies fan. But to me, it's like that guy won you a World Series. Yeah. Who yep. cares what you're paying him? He, yep. He's your town hero. Get behind him. Support him. You paid him that money when he was great for what he did. Now, yes, you're going to struggle. You're not going to go to the playoffs. But you won a World Series. That's what you're trying to do. Yep. Yep. And if they had not given him that contract in the wake of the World Series, people would have been equally upset. Exactly. So it's it's very interesting to me. My big problem with sports fans is they're loyal to this team idea, but they very quickly turn on their heroes. Mm-hmm. They very quickly turn on the ownership as soon as, you know, it doesn't matter. The Pirates won 94 last year. You know, if they pushed all in this year, it didn't work out and the team fell apart. Well, guess what? Next year, everyone would be really upset about that. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I'm the first to admit that I now hope that Brian Roberts slips on the ice and um, seriously injures his throwing shoulder. So <laughs> you, you don't need to hope for Brian Roberts to seriously <laughs> injure himself. I mean, that's just going to happen. It that's would true. have to be the throwing shoulder, though, because I think that's the only part of his body that hasn't shattered. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, everybody needs to get onto the baseball prospectus. Check out Michael's post uh, on the in the baseball progestus section and that's not just a typically clever baltimoreans portmanteau <laughs> that's actually what the part of their website is called <laughs> also check out old family baseball is that just.com do i have that right uh yeah old time family baseball old time family baseball.com old family baseball uh a, a website that has a lot of uh, kind of depressing videos um <laughs> all right sir we'll be talking to you again soon yeah absolutely thanks guys You're listening to Baltimore Ons. The home of the all-weather fan. I'm Alan Smith. And I'm Sam Dingman, and that was Michael Clare, ladies and gentlemen. One of a kind. Stellar, as always. Uh, seriously, do check out oldtimefamilybaseball.com. You can find his writing at all those guest places, but Old Time Family Baseball is one of those websites where you can just hang out for a long time and be delighted. It's really, it's really problematic if you discover it at work for the first time because you end up <laughs> guffawing <laughs> loudly. And everyone wants to know why. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've enjoyed episode 76 of the program. I sure have. If you would like to tell us what you thought of it, you can do that by going to bemorons.com and clicking on contact, where you can find out how to reach us on Twitter, how to email us, and how to leave us a voicemail, uh, which not too many of you have done recently, because you probably are thinking to yourselves, boy, that's a lot of pressure. In fact, there's a very low bar to clear <laughs> to get on the air here at the program, as is evidenced by the hosts. <laughs> if we can do it, you certainly can do it. <laughs> also, uh, what, what that particular uh, contact page will not tell you is that our iTunes um, is, is, is still ranking Baltimoreans in its podcastery. So if you were to go over there and give us a positive rating, Leave a little message for us. It would be greatly appreciated um, and help share us with the world. Indeed, indeed. If you're having a good time, this is the question you need to ask yourself. What if even more people were having a good time? <laughs> good way, good way do, to walk through life, actually. Do something good for your fellow man. <laughs> or Donate woman. to a charity. <laughs>
nothing about this show is good for your fellow man <laughs> or woman. Uh, ah. Good for your... Uh, anyway. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the music on the show... Well, should we mention that we're probably not going to be uh, joining you live next week, but taking a little holiday vacay? Oh, that's uh, true. There will be a new episode um, similar to the, the, um, the Thanksgiving episode where we both submitted topical essays um, about this, the season... Yeah. Although mine may be a little more ranty <laughs> than it was. Uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, another special edition coming to you next week. But we would like to wish you right here and now, because you'll probably hear this before the holiday, a very warm and happy Christmas, if that is what you celebrate, uh, and a very uh, exciting and vodka-soaked New Year. Uh, or uh, Martinelli Cider, if that's your jam. <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, thank you for hanging out with us this year, and we're looking forward to a very fun 2014. And the music on the show. And the music on the show was, as always, our theme song by Marshall York, the music of the band Weather Report, the song Birdland in between segments, the Town Hall working for another song, a yep. snippet that I put in there after Alan's intros, and here on the outro, Kicking My Heart Around by the Black Crows. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, close your eyes really tight and and say this to yourself uh if we're not gonna sign shinsu chu next year maybe we can call that other guy henry shinsu churudia Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. <laughs>